0: Bibles, take it to Genesis, Genesis chapter 39, uh, we are going to jump around a little bit here, uh, you can follow along on the paper, I hope the font's not too small, and uh, I tried
1: to make it, nice. yes I do, here you go.
0: We've been talking about Joseph being the type of Christ, and uh, hopefully we can get through all these tonight. That's my plan, and uh, we'll see here. Uh, Joseph lived his life for the Lord uh, all the way through from beginning to end, and uh, as we looked at his life, as we've studied his life, we've seen that he was faithful and true, didn't turn his back on God, Was did, did right. and uh, But now let's look uh, again uh, how he is or was a type of Christ. So first of all, we'll see here, uh, he became a great blessing. I guess it's Genesis 47, I said Genesis 39. Genesis 47 and verse 13 says, and there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. Now, when you say, what do you mean he became a great blessing? Because Joseph had prepared for that day. There was Canaan who had ran out of bread, but Canaan wasn't the only one. Egypt had ran out of bread, so Egypt or Egypt or the Egyptians were Gentiles, so they had ran out of bread, and so they come to Canaan to get bread, and he was able to be a blessing to what would we would call or or the Jews would call the outsiders at the time, and he was able to provide for Egypt, he was able to provide for Canaan. And it's very important to note that Jacob didn't turn, or Joseph didn't turn anybody away. As you look at this, he could have turned his own brothers away. He could have said, "No, I ain't helping you." But he wanted to be a great blessing to everyone. You say, "How does that like Christ?" In Acts chapter twenty-six and verse number thirty-three, the Bible says that Christ should should suffer, and that and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to who? The Gentiles. So it wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the Gentiles. So not only do we see Joseph being a blessing to the Gentiles, Jesus was being a blessing. He became a great blessing to everyone that would live after he was born. You think about the millions of people who have come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ all because Jesus Christ came and died for all men. The greatest verses, one of the greatest verses in all the world is Romans 10, 13. For whosoever. Not for all the white people or for all the black people or for certain race groups or for certain criteria on the, on the salary line. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. I'm glad that that is for me. I am a whosoever. Jesus became and died for me so that I could partake of that. He became a blessing to me. Not only do we see that he became a blessing, number two, he humbled himself. Back to Genesis 39. Genesis 39 and verse number one, the Bible says, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him on the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. What do you mean he humbled himself? You, you realize that he was the leader of Jacob's family. He was in charge. He was top notch at his daddy's house. Uh, He had to humble himself to become a slave. He had to allow him, they threw him in a pit, they sold him, he went down to Egypt, and he became a slave. What a humbling experience. Can you imagine, put yourself in his shoes for just one moment. One day you're out working, what that is. Daddy says, hey, go check on your older brothers. And you go down the road and you go check on your older brothers. And you go find them to have conspired to throw you into a pit. And when you show up, they grab you and they throw you into a pit. And then they pull you out of that pit and they sell you. And you go down to Egypt and what do you do? You become a slave. How humbling would that be? What would your reaction be to being a slave? What would my reaction be to being a slave? All right. Yesterday you were in charge of daddy's house. Today you're the bottom of the bucket and you don't even have an opinion. And what you say doesn't even matter. You don't even get to live in the house with with nobody. You to live with all the other slaves. Would that be humbling? What do you think? That would be a downgrade, a little bit. That would go first class to uh, what do they call it? First, what first class on an airplane to what? Coach. Coach. That's a lot worse than that, though, isn't it? What would my reaction be to that? What would your reaction be to that? I would, I would be very ticked off that that took place to me. My brother sold me. Now, and I'm, I, I'm not being political at all, but you look at what is going, a lot of things that's going on today, our country stems from what took place hundreds of years ago. That people still have hatred and bitterness towards of what took place to their ancestors. With slavery, would well, you see a two different approach here? Someone who was sold as a slave, who should have never been sold as a slave. What is his reaction? What is a law of reaction that takes place in today's society? Would you say that's the opposite? Mm-hmm. Not only do you see that Christ at that Joseph humbled himself, who else humbled himself? Jesus did. Philippians 2, verse number 7, the Bible says, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus, just like Joseph, humbled himself and put himself in that position as a slave. Not only do you see that he humbled himself to be the slave, but he humbled himself enough to be obedient as a slave. So he was a slave, but then he became obedient as a slave. Just like Jesus Christ, when he was sent from heaven to earth, he humbled himself as a servant, is what the Bible says in Philippians chapter number 2. He humbled himself and became obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross. And he took upon himself the form of a servant. Jesus Christ humbled himself To be obedient to who? To, To God. Why did Joseph, why was Joseph humble, why did he become humble to himself or humble himself as a slave, as a servant? To please God. So when he got over there and he didn't agree with being sold, he didn't like being sold, he thought it was stupid that he was sold, he may have even been angry that he was sold and upset that he was sold, but he understood that it is more important to obey God than man, and it is more important to obey God than anything else. Amen. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto who? God, is what the Bible says. So Joseph knew that he must p- please God just like Jesus Christ knew he must please who? God. God. And so that tells me that no matter what my situation is, no matter what's going on, who do I need to please? God. I don't understand it. I can't figure out why. It doesn't matter, does it? I need to please who? I need to please God. He became a blessing. He humbled himself. Any questions? Comments? Before we move on? Okay. Number three. He prospered in a lowly position. Genesis chapter 39 and verse number two. And the Lord was with who? Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. You see the different attitude of Joseph 39 verse 1. They sold him as a slave. He went as a servant. He humbled himself. He did the work that was expected of him. He did what he was told. He wanted to please the Lord. And because he was pleasing God,
1: he prospered.
0: And because he was pleasing God, his master looked at him and said, Man, look at this guy. He is doing a great job. He saw that the Lord was with him. Just as a general rule, did the Egyptians believe in God? No, they did not. Now, I'm not saying that there was none that believed in in Egypt that did not believe in God because that's not true. Because there probably were some people that lived in Egypt that believed in God. But ultimately, as a majority, most
1: people that lived in Egypt did not believe in God. Yes, sir? Richard, don't you think God was using Joseph to witness to his master. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And that he seen God work in Joseph's? Uh, what? I believe Because if you didn't believe in God, how many know you guys the Lord? That's
0: right. That's right. So, so it begs the question that the his master wasn't a wasn't a believer. Yeah. Because he knew that the Lord was with him. And if he didn't know the
1: Lord, he wouldn't know if the Lord was with him or not. Yeah. So you never know when you're going to witness to somebody about what you're doing. strap right. Just by what you're doing. Just by what you're doing. The life that you live.
0: The things that you do. The things that you say. The places you go. The people you meet. Yes. Because all Joseph, what was Joseph doing? He was a slave. He, he had humbled himself as a slave. But all that he was doing was just exactly what his master told him to do. Yeah. And because he was doing it the right way, the best way, and he excelled more than the rest of them, his master says, God must be with that guy.
1: Hmm?
0: What is it? I think the New Testament in the disciples, if I'm not mistaken, the Bible says that they knew, the men around them knew that they had been with Jesus. They knew it. He knew that God was there. He knew that God was evident in his life. He prospered in a lowly position. What does it tell me? No matter what position I'm in, I can prosper. Well, I'm not very important. It doesn't matter how important you are. It doesn't matter where you're at on the pay scale. God can still bless you, and you can still be prosperous with God. As a slave, he prospered. And be a witness. And be a witness for Christ. That's right. That's right. No matter where I'm at, I can prosper and I can be a witness. Yeah. Who else was like that? Jesus Christ was. He was in a lowly position. Isaiah 53, verse 10, which is prophecy. Bible says in verse number 10 that it yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So this is prophecy of what would take place with with Jesus Christ. So it is telling us that he would prosper in the Lord's hand. Even though it uh, put him to great grief, And he took on us, he took on him the sin of the world and he still prospered in the lowly position. So much lowly position, they didn't even believe that Jesus was the son of God. Such a lowly position, they didn't think that he ought to be king of kings. They didn't think that he was the king. He was in such a lowly position. It was just the son of a carpenter's, of a carpenter man. That's right? Anybody, any thoughts? Any questions? You know, uh, I think it just it just tells us that no matter what situation we're in, we can prosper, and we can be a witness for Christ, and that if we please, but we have to be about doing what pleasing who, God's doing God's business which is number four, pleasing his master. Because Joseph was a slave. Joseph prospered in his position, but he also pleased his master. His number one goal was to please his master, number four. Genesis 39, verse number four. And Joseph found grace in his sight. Whose sight? His master's sight. he, He found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him an overseer, over his house and all that he had he put into his hand that he handed him the keys to his house and his garage and his and his ski boat and his jet ski and his lake house and his vacation house i mean that's what he did yeah he was important he was a rich man and he said joseph i'm nominating you now i'm giving you the keys to everything All that he had, he put it in his hand. He gave him the keys to everything he had because he wanted to please his master, his earthly master, but also his heavenly master. And I do not believe that he would be in that position if he wasn't concerned about pleasing his heavenly master. It doesn't take much at a job to rise to the top if you just do what you've been asked to do. If you go in, I I don't understand because I was in management too, but I don't understand you are surprised when you come in the next day and they've completed the job that you've asked them to do. Oh man, that's good, man. Give him a pat on the back. But shouldn't it be that's what is expected of us to do? Is what you've been asked to do? But people, honestly, you know what I'm talking about. If someone does what they've been asked to do, a lot of times they'll excel at their job almost immediately. But what happens to the guy that does above and beyond what he's been asked to do? He'll excel even more. he was worried about pleasing his master. And the same way about Joseph is the same way about Christ. When Christ came to this earth, what was he concerned about? He was concerned about pleasing one person, and that was God. That's why when he was praying, the Bible says sweat drops of blood. I mean, can you imagine the agony that he was going through at that point in time of his life to make him sweat blood? I mean, what was taking place in his life for him, humanly speaking, for him to sweat blood. I've never sweated blood. But he was praying and agonizing and saying, God, not my will, but thine be done, because he was so concerned about pleasing the only person that's important. Man, uh, we ought to please man. Our master? Or please God? Please God over government? Yes. Is that how we ought to do?
1: Yeah. God over
0: government. Is it more important that I please God or man? You can't
1: please man.
0: God. You can't please man today it's this and tomorrow it's something else. But when Jesus Christ came to this earth and he submitted himself to the right place, but he also submitted himself to God. And what God said was more important than what anybody else said because was he not rejected by government? Was he not rejected by the, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and Every religious sect there, he was rejected by all of them, and yet he chose to please God, even though he was unpopular, even though it wasn't necessarily the accepted thing. He still pleased God. And I I think that's so important for us is that we need to please who? God. I don't, want, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But ultimately, I, I'm here to please God. And we all need to live our lives like that. We, we need to please God more than anybody else. Right. And when Joseph excelled, and when Joseph prospered, and when Jesus prospered, who? why did they prosper? Why did they get to that place? Because they were pleasing the Master. They were pleasing God. And when we please God, we will prosper. In time, we will prosper. Amen.
1: All right, any any questions? Any comments? Well, that right there goes to show you that, you know, Give everything to Joseph. Yeah. For to take care of Because he saw the blessing that uh, what was happening and everything. And he prospered more. By well, turning it over to Joseph.
0: By simply
1: giving it to yeah. everything. Yeah.
0: We you know that the blessings that other people do receive, because you prosper, God allows others others to receive that. Uh, I think that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, that's what you you said. (laughs) Anybody else? Any other thoughts? Questions? But ultimately, it's it's just about pleasing God. Following the leadership of the Lord and, and doing what He wants you to do. And when Joseph was there in the middle of nowhere, he didn't know anybody. Nobody knew who he was, but still he chose to please God. You know what happens a lot of times, these young kids that grow up in church, and the moment they turn 20, the moment they get out of mom and daddy's hair, or they go buck wild, go crazy. I don't understand that. I have the same God that's living inside of me when I was living at home that I do right now. So it shouldn't change how I live my life, whether I was at home or whether whether I'm on my own, because I still serve the same God who still has the same expectations for me, no matter how old I am, no matter where I am, he still has that same expectation. When Joseph got put in the middle of nowhere, he could have done whatever he wanted to do and nobody would ever know. But God would know. God would know what he did, where he did. Um, That's why it's important to please the Master. And it's important even to teach my children not to please that. No, don't you dare do it for me. Do it for God. Don't come to church for me. Do it for God. Because when I'm gone and I'm dead, you can still serve God. But if you serve God because of, you're doing it for someone else, you will quit the moment that person leaves Serve God, live for God, for Him, and only Him, because He'll never disappoint. He'll never mess up. I'm gonna mess up. I'm gonna disappoint. Miss Stacy's back there shaking her head. Oh. That was not an amen point back there, Miss Stacy. <laughs> no, I'm just. Kidding. But ultimately, we don't need to be worried about pleasing man. We need to please God. Amen. All right. Anybody else? Any other thoughts, questions? All right, we see he became a great blessing. He humbled himself. He pleased his master. John 8, verse 29 says, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I I do always those things that please him. All right? So God said, Jesus said, I do everything that pleases God. Number five, number five. Favor with man. I don't know if we can get through five of these in... Eight minutes, but let's see what we can do. Favor with man, favor with man. Genesis 39, verse number six. And we've been talking about this, I mean, a uh, roundabout way. Verse number six, the Bible says, And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not, uh, he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Again, that goes back, that's just the following verses after he handed him the keys to everything. Then he got to a place he didn't even know what he had. He had so much stuff. He didn't even know what he had because Joseph, uh, God had blessed Joseph. And because God was blessing Joseph, uh, Potiphar got the blessings from it too, And it became favor with man. And he became well favored. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 2, verse number 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So not only do we see Joseph gaining favor with man, God, Jesus Christ gained favor with man and God with wisdom and stature. I believe that Joseph had to have been a wise man. Had to have. For Potiphar and Pharaoh to all, Say, yep, yeah, all right, here, I'll help you. Here, I'll give it to you. Here it is. Uh, they gained favor with man. All right. Number six, number six, a great temptation. Genesis 39, verse number seven. This temptation came. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, Lie with me. The temptation came to Joseph. And here it was Potiphar's wife saying, "Hey, come lay with me. Come, come be uh, immoral with me." That's what she was telling him, uh, trying to seduce him, trying to give him. And Joseph received great temptation. But Joseph was not alone in the temptation. Bible says in Matthew chapter number four and verse number one, just as Joseph was tempted with a great temptation, Bible says in that Jesus in verse number one of chapter Matthew chapter four. Mo, uh, Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So Jesus was tempted of the devil. Joseph was tempted, both received great temptations. Joseph received a great temptation after a great victory. Verse number four, I mean verse number two, three, four, five, all the way through verse number six. What did he just accomplish? He just got the keys to everything that Potiphar had. He was in charge of everything that Potiphar had. He had a great victory, and here come temptation. Now, he overcame that temptation because he ran. Bible says to flee fornication. And he went running as fast as he could to get out of there. Flee. He ran. Bible says in Matthew chapter number four, what Jesus do? Jesus quoted Scripture at the devil. He said, "Nope, I ain't doing that because uh, that's man uh, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God." Nope, I can't do that. Thou shalt not have any other gods. Nope, I can't do that. You know, I, I, I can't do that. And he quotes Bible. One of the best ways to conquer temptation. One of the best ways to to get out of temptation is to quote Bible. Listen, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to heed to that temptation. Everybody in this room, you've been tempted. So, maybe today you was tempted to say something you shouldn't have said. Look at something you shouldn't have looked at. Every person was tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to heed to that temptation. Jesus was tempted just like Joseph and both of them conquered their temptation. Not only do we see that they had a great temptation, but also number seven is they were both falsely accused. In Genesis 39 verse 13, she accused him and it came to pass when she saw that he, he left his garment in her hand and was and was fled forth. Goes the next couple of verses that she accuses him of of trying to take advantage of her, trying to seduce her, trying to rape her, trying to do something to her. He was falsely accused. Falsely accused. Jesus was falsely accused in Matthew chapter twenty six and verse number fifty nine when he stood before the council to kill him. The Bible says now the chief priests and the elders and all the council sought what. A false witness against Jesus to put him to death. They were hoping that they could get a false witness. Someone to tell a lie. Someone to to lie about Christ. Verse 60, but found none. Yea, though many witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses. To testify against him, to lie. They were looking for people to lie. Not only did Joseph experience a lie against his character, Jesus had someone lie against his character. Jesus was straight. Jesus was was narrow. He didn't do wrong. He didn't sin. But yet he had false witnesses stand against him. Was Joseph wrong at what he did? Was he in the wrong when he took off running from that woman? No, he was not in the wrong. Was Jesus in the wrong when he was healing people on the Sabbath day? Or he was healing the blind and healing the dumb and healing the deaf? He wasn't wrong! No. And yet they falsely accused him, just like they falsely accused Joseph. Just because someone's been accused of something doesn't mean that they are guilty of it. Falsely accused. Number one, he became a blessing. He humbled himself. He prospered in a lowly position. He pleased his, he pleased his master. He favored with many great temptation. He was falsely accused. No answer to any man. If you'll look in Genesis chapter number thirty nine, you'll never see Joseph talk back. You'll never see Joseph say, "Nope, I didn't do it." You don't see Joseph saying, "Nope," and throwing a big fit, buddy. You better not throw me in jail. He didn't answer him a word. Just like Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Matt. Mark chapter fifteen, verse number five. But Jesus yet answered nothing. So Pilate was marvelled; they couldn't believe Jesus wouldn't talk back. I believe that's. And we've talked about this when we were talking during that time. I don't believe Potiphar believed his wife. I think he believed Joseph. And I think one of the reasons why is because Joseph didn't throw a big fit and try to say, ah, ah, ah. he let his character speak for himself because he knew who he was. He knew where he stood. He knew what he had done. He had done nothing wrong. just let it speak for itself. He was falsely accused. He didn't answer any man. Sometimes it just allows what you've done to answer for what, you, what it is. Do I know who I am? Let's see what you've done. Right? Let's get these last two. Number nine, he was sentenced by a man. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And there he was. And here, here, and he was there in the prison. A man sentenced him. John 19, verse number six, who sentenced Jesus? And when the chief priest therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying what? Crucify "Crucify him! Crucify him! Who judged? Who sentenced Jesus? Men did. Man did. Who sentenced Joseph? Man did. Number 10, I'm done. What's that say? They, both of them, were innocent. Joseph didn't do anything wrong Jesus hadn't done anything wrong Genesis 39 verse 20 and Joseph's master took him and put him in prison Isaiah 53 verse 9 talking about Jesus and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rot and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence neither was there any deceit in his mouth Jesus didn't talk wrong Jesus didn't deceive anybody. Jesus had done no violence. He didn't deserve the death of the cross. He was not guilty. He was innocent of all the crimes said to be done. And had he not been innocent, he could have never paid for our sins. Had he heeded to that temptation, but but God was innocent and still is innocent of wrong. All right. Any thoughts or questions?
1: Anybody? Good lesson, preacher. Amen. Yeah, Good lesson. Anybody else? All I don't right. You answered everything. My experience. Well, let's pray.
0: Lord, I thank you um, for tonight. I pray that each and every one of us would examine our life and say, Who do I need to please? Who do I need to please? Please bless. Uh, bless this weekend. Bless this.